0: Welcome to Smart Talk, I'm Scott Lamar. New overtime rules go into effect December 1st. They could have an impact on more than 4 million workers across the country. Anyone earning less than $913 a week, with few exceptions, must get overtime pay if they work more than 40 hours a week. This came down from the Obama administration last May, who saw it as a way to increase pay for millions of workers without increasing the minimum wage. It could have a significant impact on employers as well as employees. Joining us today to discuss this policy and the practical side of uh, this, uh, o- these new overtime rules, David Black, President and CEO of the Harrisburg Regional Chamber and Critic, Capital Region Economic Development Corporation. Dave Black, welcome to the program.
1: Thanks, Scott. It's always a pleasure to be here. Also, Scott Fiore,
0: Vice President of TriStar Staffing. Mr. Fiore, welcome to the program. Good
2: morning, Scott. Happy to be
1: here.
0: If you have a question or comment, give us a call, 1 800 729 7532, or send an email to smarttalk at witf.org. Scott Fiore, I'm going to start with you. Uh, I said $913 a week, uh, but that's not really the figure that's been quoted more often. Uh, I think it gives people a better idea when you talk about uh, what the annual Annual salary is what are some of the major changes in these overtime rules
2: the real change in the overtime rules, Scott is uh, is that nine hundred and thirteen dollars a week that equates to forty seven thousand four hundred and seventy six dollars annually um, the rest of this uh, of the law really hasn't changed there's duties tests they haven't changed uh, it's really that salary threshold
0: Okay, so when you say that salary threshold, what exactly does change? uh,
2: What changes is uh, today, uh, if you earn significantly less than $47,000, like around $23,000, $24,000, you can, so long as you pass the other duties tests, uh, be paid a salary. So you could work more than 40 hours a week and not subject your employer to overtime.
0: Often referred to as exempt employees. Correct. What do do you mean by duties test? Uh,
2: There's duties tests that, that have to be passed as well to make sure that someone could be a salaried employee. For example, there's blue-collar exemptions, there's police and fire exemptions, there's administrative exemptions. So there's other pieces of the law that have been in existence for years and years and years uh, that you have to pass in order to be exempt from overtime. It's not just the salary test. Uh, but the salary test has attracted the, a lot of attention because of the jump from 23, approximately 23000 to $47,000, because that threshold is where everything starts. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, what I was going to say is, um, it- it's and, and I wanted to clarify this, because as I was doing a research, I have to admit that uh, sometimes I would see it referred to this way, and other times I wouldn't, that this would impact uh, mostly, or is it exclusively, white-collar workers.
2: Yes. Yeah, there are blue collar workers are exempt, police, fires exempt. There's a whole list of exemptions. People go on the DOL website and see that, but it's mostly white collar. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, and why is that? I mean, what, what was the administration's thinking behind this?
2: Well, I, I <laughs> uh, yeah, I think the the thinking behind it was this threshold has not been changed in many, many years. Uh, it's been kind of parked and set at twenty three thousand dollars for a long time. Uh, and while I'm not Uh, a seer and I don't have a crystal ball, I I think it was an opportunity to make some impact uh, from this administration.
0: Well, as I said, uh, the administration. Now, whether this was these words were actually verbalized, I don't know, but uh, it's been analyzed as this was a way to raise the salaries of a lot of people without having to raise uh, the minimum wage. Go ahead, Dave. What were you going to
1: say? I, I was just going to say this. This administration has been very aggressive on on a number of fronts in you know forwarding their agenda, and I think it's probably one of the president's uh, legacies uh, legacy issues. Uh, uh, you know, government actually taking a very, very activist role uh, in the private sector, uh, demanding uh, on you know who should be paid what and uh, uh, trying to uh, increase salaries. Uh, and, and in this case, this is, I, I think the the thing that that rubs people uh, the the wrong way the most. This is uh, around hundred and ten percent increase. You know, if there was a a minor kind of increase, I don't think there there'd be a problem. Uh, but as Scott said, there's there's certain rules, and it's it's going to have a dramatic effect on businesses across the board
0: well let's talk about that dramatic effect what impact will it have
1: well if if you look right here in in, in uh, central south central pennsylvania uh there, there's a lot of businesses a lot of not-for-profits because uh, this will affect not-for-profits a lot of local governments that start professionals at less than 47 Forty-seven thousand five hundred, which is the threshold. So, if you start t- w- today, a professional, you want to hire uh, a young person out of college, or uh, uh, you know, whatever kind of a, a role you might have, and it is it is a white collar job, uh, so to speak, and uh, uh, in in any kind of a, a not for profit, um, and somebody currently is is making over twenty three thousand, twenty three thousand five hundred or so is the is the threshold. You know, they work and and they work they're 40 hours a week but they're but they're salaried so sometimes it might be 42 hours and maybe the week after it's 38 hours and and sometimes maybe it's 45 and and depending on what kind of business you're in if it's seasonal maybe around the holidays you're working a few more hours uh, than normal and then then you get into the summertime and you know you, you get some hour there's some flexibility uh, for employees with professional uh uh, uh you know, and I hate to use the, the term white collar because it, it goes way beyond that, but uh, with uh, professionals uh, in, in various occupations. And and I think uh, this is going to convert all those folks that are below 47,500 essentially to hourly, or it's going to require a lot of bookkeeping on the part of uh, every business not-for-profit and local government to make sure that... that uh, um, if, uh, Scott, if you work for me and you make $45,000 a year, you're, you're below that. I have to watch very carefully so each week you don't go over 40 hours. And and uh, so if you if you have to work an early morning or a, 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 an evening kind of event, if you're in our business, the Chamber of Commerce business, that's that's typically what, what we have to do. And we're going to have to do this. And we're going to have to make sure that, okay, Scott, on Friday you're going to get home at 2 o'clock because you work. You know, three extra hours uh, on Tuesday morning uh, at a breakfast event that we had.
0: Do you have any jobs open for forty-five? Uh, mean, I'm joking with you. Jim. Um,
1: <laughs> actually, we would you you would have to apply, and there's uh, extreme
2: scrutiny. So, I you
1: know I, I can't make any promises.
0: <laughs> so, Scott, tell me a little bit about uh, TriStar.
2: Uh, TriStar is a staffing, recruiting, and consulting uh, firm. We're based in Lancaster County.
0: Okay. So what are your clients saying about this?
2: Um, it, it's all over the map. I have customers all over the map. I have large, l- very large employers that are customers, and I have little tiny employers that are customers. Uh, and, you know, the large employers have, you know, very professional HR staffs. They're, uh, they have attorneys. They may have attorneys on staff. So they, they, they understand the law. Uh, they're not always happy with what that what this change is going to cost them. It's not insignificant. And then, then they have to uh, not only account for the overtime, but the administration, inserting time clocks in some areas, changing people uh, who might have been salaried to, to uh, uh, non-exempt, I guess it is. I always confuse that. But, you know, there's also the issue of what do you do with people checking their phone email at home at night? Uh uh, what about people who you give have given flexibility in the past to work from home? Uh, you know, for me, uh, there's things that happen at 8, 9, 10 o'clock at night sometimes, and, and I'm checking my email. So I have staff now that, you know, in the past, they, they may have checked their email in the evening uh, and responded to a client or, or unfortunately, responded to me, uh, asking them a question. Now I've told them not to do that because it's so difficult to account for that time, and, and how do I account for it accurately? You know how many emails does someone have to answer before it equals five or seven minutes? Where I have to put it on a time card, it's it's just quite burdensome. Then you have small small employers that might not understand the law, uh, and and don't understand that you know one of the hidden things in this law for me is they've set this threshold based on forty percent of the uh, of the salaries in the in the lowest region, which is the South. Uh, now the the the, the forty seven thousand dollar threshold is based uh, today when the, new, when the current threshold is $23,000. So in three years, they've built into this law now that the, the threshold is going to increase.
0: Okay, that part, that part is similar to what you were saying, Dave, earlier. That uh, it would be a, a gradual increase, but the jump from 23 to 47 is what uh, uh, has shocked a lot of people. But Dave, when uh, I, I sent you an email last week um, asking you to appear on the program, you said to me that uh, not a lot of your members are talking about this. Why not? Well. <laughs>
1: our 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 members particularly small businesses are busy running their business on a daily basis you know, paying the taxes paying the bills uh uh, serving their customers, uh, th- this is this is one of those things that uh, even even though it was announced a while back and and it's it's been it's been kicked around uh, that uh, it, it's one of those things until it actually happens. A lot of times people aren't aware of it, and I, th- I think there's a lot of uh, small businesses, a lot of not-for-profits, uh, and it, even local governments uh, t- uh, to a d- degree that are not aware that come December first, this is going to kick in, and uh, they're going to be you know getting into January, February. Who knows you know june of next year and and suddenly you know they're going to be hit uh, with something from the federal government saying hey you are you're out of compliance with this so it's it's something that uh, businesses are going to have to be aware of the threshold in the past was 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 uh, it was low, but it was reasonable. And as Scott said, uh, there there are uh, definitions of different kinds of jobs. So if you have somebody uh, that's uh, at, at a certain administrative uh, administrative position, they're hourly regardless. Uh, but but this is taking uh, you know professionals and uh, uh, essentially. Uh, and young professionals and essentially making them hourly employees which is is not what uh, people aspire to be uh, we talked a little bit before the program about you know what it, what it means to be salaried uh, a, a lot of people really uh, aspire uh, to that and have the the ability and and uh, a lot of people also understand that when you start out your career your salary, you're you're going to pay your dues a little bit up front and that's just just the way it, it is i think part of the other issue with with this this rule it, it goes back to and i don't know the data to the the original law that that kind of encompasses this but i think it was done at a different time uh, in a different environment uh, when uh, perhaps uh, businesses uh, and others did take advantage of uh, of workers and this goes back you know in, probably in the 1920s and 1930s and uh, you know the the other point um that i, I just uh, I just wanted to make on it 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 it, it's a different time and place we work differently, As Scott said you know he checks his email at night if i if I have uh, somebody again making forty five thousand dollars a a year and they check their email at night at night, well they're not supposed to do that because they're technically working, but people do that because you have access to the information and you want to serve your clients or what what are we trying to tell? Uh, the people that that work for us and serving our clients don't don't check your emails because you're going to go over your 40 hours a week. And the final point that I'll make this is this is 40 hours a week. I think most most places either pay on a monthly basis or a biweekly basis. So this this doesn't mean that if you're on a, uh, 80 hours uh, on a biweekly basis that you can adjust within that 80 hours. This is limited to 40 hours. So if if, if uh, again if if I if I have a, a chamber event, we do our state of the cities like we did last week, and I have staff uh, in at six o'clock in the morning, and so they work two extra. They start two hours. Uh, earlier, I have to make sure that at, at the end of the week that they go home, you know, two hours later, and if it's a Friday event, you try to get into, uh, into 40 hours, it's it's going to be very complicated, or you, you have to pay them on an hourly basis, and, and uh, I think uh, our young professionals, I, I think they consider themselves young professionals, and they don't consider themselves hourly employees.
0: We'll talk more about that in just a moment. You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. We're talking about no o- new overtime rules that uh, have been implemented by the Department of Labor, the Obama administration, that will go into effect December 1st. Our guest today, Scott Fiore, Vice President of TriStar Staffing. He's been working with a lot of his clients to implement these rules. And David Black, President and CEO of Harrisburg Regional Chamber and Critic. We welcome your questions and comments, 1-800-729-7532. Send an email to smarttalk at witf.org. You also can leave question or comment on WITF's Facebook page. Again, that phone number is 1-800-729-7532. Scott, let me ask you about this. um, The procedure for which this came down. Um, These rules were implemented or, excuse me, were announced in May. They're going to effect uh, December 1st. But there was no executive order from President Obama. Uh, There was no congressional action. How does that happen?
2: Well, um, it, it's quite simple how it happens. The, uh, the Fair Labor Standards Act, enacted an, an many, many years ago, empowers the Department of Labor to, to do things like this. They, they don't require executive orders. They don't require active, uh, an act of Congress.
0: So I mean, this could come down at any time then. I mean, why, why did it take so long? And that, I'm sure the Obama administration would say that's one of the reasons that it was all but the salary was all but doubled uh, because it has been so long since this changed.
2: It has. And um, President Obama did sign a, mem- a memorandum addressed to the Department of Labor that, that he wanted this issue addressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, there was a comment period. Uh, once the uh, the DOL announced that they were going to do that, hundreds of thousands of comments came into the government. Um, it was the hope of many, and, and David I'm sure would attest to this, that they would have looked at that 47,000 number and decreased it so it wasn't as large a jump, but but they elected not to.
0: I said in my introduction that uh, there uh, potentially will be like 4.2 million American workers impacted by this. In Pennsylvania, it's about 185,000 Um why are there so so many employees working more than forty hours a week? i mean there's, I mean this is kind of a philosophical question, but why are there so many people who are working more than forty hours a week?
2: Well, you know, welcome to the world we live in uh, there 's just access to information all the time, and uh, I know when I started my career. Uh, I was excited to be paid a salary because I could prove myself I could work hard uh, I could work extra hours to, to hopefully get a promotion to improve my uh, my standing with the company and, and I was able to do that uh, and, and I also liked that I could have some flexibility when I was a salaried employee if I needed an extra half hour at lunch to, to run to run an errand or I needed an afternoon to get a, to go to a doctor's appointment I could do that. I didn't have someone watching over me. Uh, I was given the flexibility to do my job whether it took me 40. 30 or 50 hours to do that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, you, you hear so much about these millennials and they don't want to work and uh, and I don't buy into that. You know, what I see in, in, in my customer base and the employees that we place and the employees I hire that are millennials, they want to work really hard too and they want to advance and, and uh, advance their careers. So uh, I think people work because they want to. Uh, you know, I don't think anybody's cracking a whip over anybody saying you you have to work, and, and maybe there are. I, I'm certainly I don't want to be naive and say there aren't employers that are like that, but in the in the workforce uh, today, uh, you know, if if someone's cracking a whip and making you work sixty hours and not paying you for it, there's plenty of jobs that you could probably go and, and apply for and might might be able to work at a better company.
0: But you see, there's part of the problem. I mean, we've identified that one of the real problems in in this country is that there's this income gap. Uh, and if there are people working that many hours a week and not being paid for those, that's the whole idea behind this is that uh, there are people who are working hard but yet aren't being compensated for it. You agree with that? Disagree with that?
1: Um, I, w- I would disagree with that. Uh, there are people that are, are working hard, and I think to the degree possible, particularly in the private sector, the, the ability to pay, It's this is – this, this legislation that you know that's that's the root of this goes goes back to a period in time in our history where uh, perhaps you know businesses did take advantage of 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 workers today, we're in a different environment. And we we all know unemployment numbers are, are very low. It's a very competitive workforce. So if if you're if you're not compensating people enough, they're probably going to go and find another job. It's 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 that kind of environment. It it, it is a workers uh, environment. It's 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 uh, it's a very good time to be out there in the workforce because there are job opportunities and there are there are different opportunities uh, to to uh, to go that. So it's not that that businesses and not not for profits and and others are. are underpaying folks i mean there are options out there but but they're they're paying what they're what they're able to pay in most cases and and the other thing that's crazy about this 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 rule it's nationwide so it doesn't matter whether we're in new york city or we're in Perry County, Pennsylvania. It just doesn't make a difference. And as we all can probably guess, the cost of living in Perry County is a little less than the cost of living in New York City. So you know what's fair about this forty-seven thousand five hundred? It's 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 an arbitrary number. And quite frankly, the other number twenty-three thousand and change was probably an arbitrary number as well. But it just it, it just it's it's reactionary uh, type of thing. And it's uh, from. Uh, a lot of people's perspective, uh, mine included. This this is a definite overreach uh, by the federal government trying to tell business, not-for-profit, and local governments what you have to pay and what you have to do.
0: We have uh, an email here. Uh, how exactly do you differentiate uh, white collar from blue collar? Are, those are some pretty uh, generic uh, terms.
2: Um, it would take probably three of your shows to even (laughs) touch it. Uh, There are specific duties tests laid out by the Department of Labor, uh, and I'd encourage you to either go to their website and and, and read them, and then maybe hire a lawyer to help decipher them.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I I I you know mentioned earlier I hated to use your the, the words white collar blue collar at, at one point in time there was a, a term called new collar workers that that's kind of in between so it's this isn't really about white collar and, and and blue collar those those are old terms it's about it's about workers across the board one other point I just want to make because it just popped into my head uh, I've been in the workforce for a long time and back in the early 1990s you know when the computer age was really starting to starting to hit and everybody was talking about how how wonderful technology was going to make our lives, and and the four-day work week was coming, and this is just going to be a marvelous place just the opposite of as has happened uh, in in all the work we do and everything that we do we we are practically working 24 7. i mean if we're awake we're, we're checking our emails we're we're uh, answering uh, uh questions from our clients in our case from our members uh we're, we're we're you're just constantly working and 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 that's okay uh and uh if you want to do that if you don't want to do it you obviously you can go out and find a, find another kind of job but we're we're always doing something in the workforce and always always able to communicate
0: Let's take a phone call from Natalie in Waynesboro. Natalie, you're on the air.
3: Hi there, thanks. I was just calling to inquire about how this might affect or what repercussions this might have for education in regards to new teachers whose starting salaries are usually around $40,000, $42,000. They typically will work a 60-hour work week just to get everything done that needs to be done. Mm.
0: Uh, Thank you very much for your call, Natalie. Scott, I see you... uh, shuffling your papers, looking for educators there. What have you found? Yeah,
2: I believe there is a specific uh, uh, exemption for teachers. Uh, There are specific parts of the rules. They have to be employed by an educational institution. They have to be a teacher. Uh, But there are exemptions for, for teachers, I believe. And again, that's on that uh, website.
0: Okay, so exemptions meaning that
2: this would not apply to to teachers. Correct, I, I believe. Okay, <laughs> I'm I'm trying to find that one in my paper.
1: But 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 Natalie makes a a good point in, in in her call. This is a great example of how people work today. Teachers, you know, during during the school year and even even off, you know, during the summer, they're they're always working. I, you know, my wife was a teacher. My daughter teaches, and 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 uh, anybody that thinks that they're they're only they're only working at the time they're in the classroom is nuts. It's it's uh, it's the time in the classroom. And then then double that is basically what a teacher puts puts in on a, on a regular basis, uh, you know. If if they were to fall under this this rule, which they probably do not, I think they're probably they are they are exempted. Uh, you know, the, the cost to local school districts would be phenomenal. But there are other people who work in school districts that are not educators. Uh, are, are are they exempted? My guess would be that some of them are not, and they're still considered professionals.
2: Correct.
0: Okay. I, you know, let me take a another point of view. Let me play the devil's advocate with you for a, a moment here. Is that fair? That a teacher? You said your your wife used to teach. Your daughter teaches. Is it fair that they're paid? We'll use the forty-five thousand uh, dollar figure. Paid forty-five thousand dollars a year, but yet are working sixty hours a week.
1: Well and and as i said they work 60 hours a week during the school year and then then they work during the summer and they have some other time but that's the flexibility of teaching that that is one of the reasons, it's not the main reason, but it's one of the reasons a lot of people go into education, because they do have a little more free time in the summer, or maybe they go back to school in the, in the, in the, in the summer. I mean, that's the nature, but, but that's, that's, that's the thing I think that we're missing. That's an individual choice. I, I, I want to be a teacher. I want to help uh, influence young minds. So I'm going to do this, and I know what comes with the job.
2: Okay. And, and, uh, and I would say this, Scott, you know, the, the young teacher that starts out that's passionate, that uh, I, I want that young teacher teaching my kid uh, because the one that puts in 60 hours a week at the beginning and is making an impact on my kid's life is going to increase their stature very quickly. They're going to move up the ranks very quickly and make well more than that thirty or $40,000 they might start with in their first year or two. Those that don't, those that put in their 40 hours, go home, maybe they shouldn't advance through the ranks of teacher uh, of, of uh, up the ladder in schools and, and earn more money. And that's just kind of market dynamics uh, um, affecting that. And and is it fair? Yeah, I, I think it is. is.
0: Right, let's take another phone call from Joshua in Harrisburg. Joshua, you're on the air. Uh,
4: yeah, I just had a question. Uh, it's a general question about overtime. If you worked at a company that, as a manager um, for uh, a florist, and you spread out overtime over a two-week period, um, and one week you work 60 hours, and the next week you work 20. Is that not allowed to get a full overtime pay, and you just work your two 40-hour weeks? Thank uh,
2: you. No, okay, thanks, Rico. Uh, th- the way the law is written is everything is by the week. So if you work 60 hours one week, you should be paid 20 hours of overtime that week, uh, and you can't make up time the following week. This, is a, this law is measured by the week. What about comp time?
0: Uh, that, that a lot of employers, uh, when they have salaried employees, they work 45, 50 hours. Okay, you get 5 to 10 hours, you can take off.
2: Yeah, the comp time is still allowed, but again, it has to be taken in that week. So if if it becomes Friday afternoon and there's an emergency and and an employee has to work another five or six hours into Friday evening, there's there's no time to make that up this week, and they can't make it up next. So comp time is allowed, and that's where uh, employers are going to have to very carefully track their employees' time, but they have to take that time in that week that they're working. Mm -hmm. Dave, you look like you're talkative there. Yeah, well, I,
1: I was just in in, in an emergency. You know, let's go back to to local government. To have an agency like uh, uh, children and youth. Every county has a children and youth agency, and people are on call. They are salaried employees, uh, but uh, sometimes they have to work weekends. And obviously, sometimes there's 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 an emergency. And as Scott pointed out. You know, they go in and they get it done. That's that's part of what they do. And uh, now, are we going to have to start paying overtime? And if we pay overtime, where does that money come from? Does that come from state government or does it come from county government? Because it's a you know it's a state mandated uh, service. So you know the, the 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 ramifications of this and and uh, we we can get into there's a lawsuit that's uh, that, that's pending. But the ramifications of this are huge uh, uh, that really uh, ripple through uh, you know the not for profit sector and the local government sector as well
0: let's talk about that lawsuit what's what's it uh what is it, is it questioning
1: uh well the, the the u.s chamber and and about 50 other business groups are, are have actually uh, uh filed uh, federal lawsuits uh, saying that the federal government uh in enacting this has uh, overreached its authority uh, because of the dramatic increase because of the 110 uh, percent increase uh and it's uh it's going to rec- uh, uh, you know, part of what they're they're claiming, professional employees are going to be converted to hourly wa- wages, and it will, as we've been talking about, reduce workforce flexibility, remote electronic access to work, and opportunities for career advancement. Uh, and uh, it's it's going to be very interesting. It's been filed in Texas, uh, so it's going to be very interesting to see uh, see how that that goes. Uh, Congress has uh, uh, had. had uh, uh, Pleaded with the Obama administration not to go forward with it at this level, uh, but this is something. Uh, and as Scott said, there were hundreds of thousands of of comments, uh, and most of the comments were negative, as I understand it. Uh, something that that the, the Department of Labor basically ignored just to get this done.
0: Let's take a phone call from Eric in York. Eric, you're on the air.
1: Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, um, uh, first, um, I worked for an industry
5: um, as a general manager, where I had managers working for me um that weren't paid uh under the 41 thousand I think it is um I could be wrong or forty thousand uh, dollars um that were required to work um oh gosh 60 70 hours a week that only had a couple of people if they had a couple of people working for them um uh, we use the manager loosely and um I actually had to uh, that left that industry in that because I thought that it was morally wrong. Uh, I heard the caller say um, before, I mean, the speaker, uh, your guest, say before that uh, we just work, we live in a 24 hour world, uh, and this is the way it is, and we just work all the time. And and I'm just trying to think like, you know, Part of me thinks that's morally wrong. I mean, don't people deserve time to spend with their children, to spend with their family, to spend time doing leisure activities? And this should be reserved for people who just make uh, a whole bunch of money, and people who work for a living uh, don't get to see their kids and take care of their loved ones. Um, Thank you very much for taking my call.
0: All right. Thank you very much. I think he's making a statement there, but uh, Dave, what do you think?
1: Yeah, and 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 I would agree. I, I mean, I was the one that said, yeah, we live in a twenty-four hour. But but people choose. Uh, if 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 uh, I mean, I I choose to work that way. Um, and and but I I do have work life balance. I manage to spend uh, spend time with my my kids, my grandchildren. So um, it 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 you know everything does does kind of kind of balance out. I, and by the caller does make one point. There 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 still are uh, some companies, some some bad actors uh, out there that probably uh, uh, you know abuse things. And and you know there's always there's always some bad examples. But I think the majority of folks in the workforce, again, uh, and the majority of employers understand that we're in a competitive Environment today, and you have to treat your employees well, and, and you have to lay out the expectations uh, for your employees and say, you know, the, these are the routes you can get things done. and And I don't think anybody's unreasonably asking people to work uh, extensive hours. I, I think uh, uh, people are connected to their jobs; it's part of it's part of uh, who they are. And we talked a little bit about the the millennials. Uh, they they like to they like to work different kind of hours. And uh, uh, you don't get it done this week, we'll get it done next week. But they get it done.
0: I just read an article in LNP, the Lancaster newspaper, yesterday about uh, prison guards at the Lancaster County prison. Um, the article was on uh, the amount of overtime pay that uh, uh, was being paid in Lancaster County. Prison guards were uh, the top overtime employee recipients. Reason being that they're understaffed. It's 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 hard to find apparently people who want to uh, work in work in that industry. Um, but the term required overtime was used that doesn't sound like a choice when there are jobs where we're understaffed so you have to work overtime
1: yep and and that's that's a it's that's a a different it's not under this piece of legislation those are hourly uh prison guards are, are hourly uh, the state's having the same issue. I, I think I read a while back that the uh, State Department of Corrections uh, pays the largest amount of, of overtime as well because you can't get people um, into the workforce. Uh, that's that's an unfortunate issue. Uh, uh, situation but uh and i think there are exemptions when they say required overtime. they 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 really call people up and 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 ask them to or say look it, it's your time up and I, I don't think it's uh it's ever unreasonable you have to talk to the warden at lancaster to see how they handle it but i'm sure they they have some reasonable accommodations but there is an expectation that you will work overtime when it is offered to you
0: let's take a call from jim in enola jim you're on the air
4: Hi Scott. Um uh, I uh, would like to make a few comments about this. I, I really agree with your guests that uh, this issue uh uh the, the the new workplace rules uh definitely needs to be publicized. I I disagree with what they seem to be saying that uh, this rule is entirely arbitrary. Uh I I spent my entire career in the in the private sector and um, uh in the in the old days, you know, when I was just starting out and when my dad was in the workplace uh there was a clear distinction uh white collar workers were management and were professionals you know like attorneys and accountants and that sort of thing and those were salary employees and most of the others were blue collar and therefore they were hourly employees and so they got paid by the hour now the workplace has totally changed uh there are many many fewer blue collar workers mostly because we don't have as much manufacturing uh, jobs as we used to and you've got a lot of relatively low level people who are salaried examples are you know the, the many administrative assistants that we have i mean they're salaried employees but they don't really have a management role and i think that's the core of what the uh, the obama administration was trying to get at um, i i i think that they're to be fair to the obama administration i think their view is the workplace has fundamentally changed, and uh, the law, as, as the guests mentioned, uh, has has not been changed in many, many years, and it's time for a change. Now, I just also wanted to mention that there's some exemptions that uh, certain kinds of employers ought to be aware of. They definitely ought to get some advice on this. But in general, for profits, for profits and nonprofits, where the revenues are less than half a million dollars a year they may be exempt from this rule. And if your guests can, it would be good for them to talk about it. Otherwise, I'd suggest that uh, people for whom this applies ought to check uh, with, uh, get, get some expertise on this. In summary, I would say, Scott, that there are absolutely some concerns with this rule and and uh, there ought to be some changes made, but, but on balance, I think it's a good rule. Thank you. All right,
0: Jim, All right, Jim thank you very much for your calm. I saw you shaking your head, Dave.
1: Yeah, I, I I think I think uh, Jim made some some good points, and and I think one one of the points is let's look at the other pieces of the legislation. I I think administrative assistance, as as at least as as we've looked at it, uh, fall under under the uh, uh, and Scott, you, you correct me, uh, non exempt. They 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 uh, are uh, uh, definitely hourly. If if an administrative assistant would work over the forty hours, they they would have to be paid. Yeah, uh, even they... under current. Statute, assuming they were not making the twenty-three thousand minimum.
2: Yeah, that there is an administrative exemption. It's uh, it's fairly clear. Uh, I, sure, s- some companies may have decided someone was salaried and in, in in either ignorance of the duties tests or maliciously. I don't. I'm sure there's always bad apples. Uh, but one of the things I, I think everyone needs to understand is that the Department of Labor has hired. A lot of investigators to to ensure compliance with this. Uh, They'll have many more people investigating this than they have in the past. So in the past, uh, you know, maybe a uh, disgruntled employee may have triggered an uh, an investigation into someone not appropriately following the law. There'll probably be enough investigators that they don't have to wait for this anymore. Uh, So those companies that maybe have not followed the duties test, again, maliciously or not, uh, could find themselves in an audit.
1: It, it, Scott, can I just to throw in very sure. quickly. I think Jim made a, a very good point, though. I think pieces of the law need to be looked at beyond the salary uh, uh, issue because uh, workforce today is much different than the traditional white collar, blue collar. We're not there anymore. It, it, the lines are are very blurred. So I think the rules need to be changed and looked at, not just the dollar amount.
0: Mm. We have an email here and. Uh, and I'll read it as is. Uh, my Your guest seems to be or appears to be locked in a time warp. Maybe in the 60s or 70s, people worked overtime to impress and move up. Today, the people who are affected by this change are often the actual store manager of a dollar general or something similar. It's like the arguments against raising the minimum wage which say that these are entry-level jobs when actually the average person working fast food is in their 30s. I don't think it's really... Uh, he's really aware of the real world of work today secondly we've always had regulations and we've coped why would we have trouble now are, they, are you suggesting that we should never change them which is pretty much what's happened since the old rules are so well old
2: um, okay you were uh,
0: you, the one <laughs> Scott it's on you it's on me Some uh, people looking to move up and, and impress.
2: I see an awful lot of people working, and I see an awful lot of customers. Uh, I don't serve the retail industry, so I can't talk to Dollar General or or folks like that. And uh, I I think those are the industries that will be most affected by this. Uh, But we live in a global society, and people need to understand that. Uh, You know, uh, businesses work with businesses in Europe and Asia, Uh, and email from Australia comes to me overnight. Uh, So I, I I read that first thing in the morning before I go to work you know that's just part of how i get my job done let uh, me also
0: can i interrupt for a yeah. second because we only have a minute or so left um he, the point that uh, lee did bring up there and it's one i wanted to raise is that this does sound an awful lot like the argument against or for uh raising m- the minimum wage dave you see it that way
1: well i told you minimum wage is going to come up in today's conversation nah. <laughs> so uh, i told you, uh, you would uh, too yeah right? <laughs> and, and and uh and i could see how the how the the the, the, the two are related. Uh, I mean, fundamentally, what's the role of, of government? Is it government's role to tell if the private sector, the not-for-profit sector, the gov- the local government sector, what they have to pay? They do it. You know, we don't like it.
0: Well, you don't like it, but that's the way it and is. And we comply with it, right. But at the same time, again, it comes down to a question of, of fairness. And I mean, Pennsylvania, w- just a couple weeks ago, we had a program. In fact, it was Thursday when was it Thursday? No, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago when I wasn't here. But, uh, you know, we know the arguments against and for raising minimum wage. But um, let me ask about Seattle and California. This is Seattle, Washington, there's one place where the minimum wage has been increased to $15 an hour. California, the same way. What are you hearing there? I mean, you haven't referred to this, Dave, as a job killer, but others have, these rules. Uh, we hear the same thing about the minimum wage. What's happened there?
1: Uh, I, I'm only hearing anecdotal information and and uh, uh what I'm, I'm hearing uh, at a lot of places, fast food places whatever kiosks people are, are being replaced there wasn't because jobs. You're, you're, you're yeah the the number of, of jobs employees in that sector are going down uh, this role has has perhaps that that uh, potential. Uh, I, I think most people will try to work around it and, and try to try to count the hours uh, and I think uh, they'll also hope that there'll be some congressional changes on this and not just a dollar amount. To go back to that other point not just a dollar amount but actually the rulemaking to, to, uh, making uh, to, to better reflect what's really going on in the workforce today. These rules were done when as one of your previous callers said there was white collar and there was blue collar and there was little in between. Uh, we are meshed today. It's a much different place today. David
0: Black is president and CEO of the Harris Regional Chamber in Critic, and Scott Fiore is Vice President of TriStar Staffing. It's something that uh, I think that uh, if employers weren't paying attention, employees weren't paying attention, they probably should be now. Thank you very much for being with us today.
2: Thanks, Scott. My pleasure.
0: You're listening to Smart Talk on WITF, your home for NPR News and all things regional. I'm Scott Lamar. At the Shale Insight Conference in Pittsburgh last week, Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump said he would encourage American energy production and roll back environmental regulations as a way to make America wealthy again. State Impact Pennsylvania reporter Marie Cusick was at the conference and appears on today's program to discuss what she heard. There's a lot more than just Donald Trump. Marie, welcome to the program. Hi, Scott. All right, uh, as I said, and let's, let's talk about the non-Donald Trump part of this uh, to begin with. Talk a little bit about this conference. What, uh, who sponsors it and what's it about?
3: This is the big annual gas industry conference sponsored by the Marcellus Shale Coalition. So they do it every year. It used to always be in Philadelphia, but then a few years ago they started rotating it between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia. So, yeah, I think it was about 1,200 oil and gas industry executives in Pittsburgh this year for two days to you know talk about what's important to the industry right now.
0: So what is important to the industry right now? I mean, I it sounds like it's a good place to hear the status from their point of view.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the big story that I heard, the big theme was that, you know, all these wells have been drilled. um, You know, they've been working here for close to a decade, really, if you think about it. This started in 2007, 2008. So now the big story is they need infrastructure, they need pipelines to move this gas to market because. This was not a huge supply center, and over the years, it's just become a huge supply center of natural gas. So, as many listeners know, in our region, there's a couple big pipeline projects um, proposed for the area, and they're really feeling a lot of the public opposition. They they really feel like we need to tell our story differently or do something differently because this opposition we're encountering to pipelines is is something we've never seen before. Well,
0: one of the people that spoke, and this was before. Uh... Trump appeared. Is it Gary Heminger?
3: Is Gary it, Heminger of ha- Marathon. Heminger?
0: Yeah, he's the CEO of Marathon Petroleum, and he discussed how the Obama administration's recent decision to temporary, temporarily halt construction on the Dakota Access Pipeline uh, violates the nation's sense of rule of law. Let's play this and uh, then get you to comment uh, on, on this afterwards.
1: In the pipeline industry, there is no better example than the administration's recent decision to delay the Dakota Access Pipeline system after the developers followed all the rules and a federal judge shot down a lawsuit trying to stop the project. It's disturbing that how some regulations are applied depends not necessarily on the law itself, but on the individuals in charge of enforcing the rules. This approach is at odds with our character as a nation of laws and certainly isn't conducive to a flourishing business environment.
0: Okay, so what's the context of that?
3: Right. Well, so um, this was a big national story a few weeks ago. Uh, an oil pipeline uh, was opposed by a Native Native Americans, and and they came in from all over the country to protest this, and uh, they said it, it went through their land on sacred sites. And and actually, as he said, a federal judge did say um, he wasn't gonna he wasn't gonna side with the Native Americans so that the project could move forward. But then. Because of so much public intense pressure, the Obama administration did step in and temporarily halt part of the project. So that that decision came up over and over again. He wasn't the only person to say this at the conference. People in the industry really feel like, whoa, what's going on? This is just a huge mounting public opposition to pipelines. And they feel like uh, the politicians and the regulators are caving into the pressure.
0: What about that? Because, okay, the the Dakota pipeline um, is an example of where you had a group of people who uh, are, you know, saying these are ancestral uh, burial grounds and that uh, you'll be disturbing that. But most people, and I heard one of your uh, clips from the, the conference where someone said it's NIMBY syndrome overall, that no one wants a pipeline going through their backyard.
3: Actually, that wasn't, uh, they feel like it's gone beyond NIMBYism, which NIMBY is not in my backyard. Uh, it was actually former DEP Secretary Michael Cranzer, who's now an attorney for the energy industry. He said it's gotten to be a cave mentality, which is citizens against virtually everything. And what they feel like is the industry feels like, well, we always dealt with local communities and landowners when we were building this, these projects. But now we're just dealing with something else, which is this ideological struggle or this fight over the future of our nation's energy and global climate change. They really feel like they're up against a whole new dynamic here.
0: What's new, though? I mean, we've had kind of that that conflict over and over.
3: I think what's new is that the scale of the build-out they're trying to do, particularly here, we have seen this surge in production here, and you know, at first some people got mad about the wells in their backyard, but now other people in other regions, like here where we've had no Marcellus drilling because we're not atop the Marcellus shale, now people are suddenly feeling the effects of the the boom in their backyard and they're seeing pipeline projects and, and companies have threatened to use eminent domain to take some people's properties. Um, so you have that going on. It's just a lot of building, and it's a very dispersed industrial activity. You know, a well here, a pipeline there, a compressor station there. It's kind of all over the place. And then at the same time, you have the Paris Climate Agreement last December, and you have the world's nations coming together and saying we got to get off fossil fuels. So I can understand why people say, hey, excuse me, I thought we were trying to pivot away from fossil fuels. Why are you building a giant new pipeline in my backyard? But the industry will say, you You know, what a lot of people don't understand is that, especially in the electric power generation, we've been so reliant on coal for so many years, and coal plants are retiring in the face of new environmental regulations, and the gas industry is undercutting coal, and it's becoming more competitive to use natural gas. Um, So... A lot of these pipelines are, are needed to help now feed power plants that keep your lights on. And frankly, one of their favorite things is they, this guy brought this up too. He, they love to make fun of people with electric cars because a lot of environmentalists want to drive electric cars, but don't understand that when you plug into the grid, you're plugging into coal and gas and nuclear power.
0: They like to make fun of. It. <laughs> they love. They love to
3: make fun of people with electric cars. Uh,
0: Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump uh, gave the keynote address Thursday. What was his? Uh, what was his message?
3: Yeah, he. He. You know, he was uh, on a teleprompter, and it was. You know, on. I can tell <laughs> he, that
0: I can tell and you when you hear the sound bite here in a moment You can tell that uh, he's not rambling like he normally does Yeah,
3: he was very much on message and his big message to the oil and gas industry executives in the room was I am going to roll back regulations I am going to cut environmental regulations and he's promised to undo many of the um, Obama administration's major climate change inif- initiatives
0: Well, let's give it a listen But regulations are becoming a major industry right now And we're going to make it a
5: much smaller industry, maybe a minor industry. Your regulations are going to be cut back to a point that you'll be able to have your businesses grow your
0: businesses and start new businesses. And you'll never be able to do that with what has taken place over the last eight years. So what about that?
3: Well, what's interesting to me is, by the way, they did invite Hillary Clinton and her campaign declined. Um, So they say the Marcella Shale Coalition says this energy is not a partisan issue. Um, They they have invited Democrats to speak. But often this is a very, you know, Republican, conservative, pro-business crowd. So I was interested to hear from people what they thought of Donald Trump. And I talked to folks before he spoke and then after for reaction to his speech. And I mean, this is very anecdotal and not scientific. And frankly, most of them wouldn't speak to me on the record because they're not allowed to, you know, give a political opinion on behalf of their company. But I talked to a lot of them and they were, you know, self-identified Republicans, conservatives. They they were concerned about him and felt like they didn't know what they were going to do in November. A lot of people were like, geez, I don't know about this guy. kind of scares me. And even afterwards, he he talked about, During his speech, he talked about how the EPA is giving this industry a really hard time getting permits, and he's going to change that. And, you know, one guy I was talking to walking out of the building, he's like, the EPA does not permit oil and gas wells. (laughs) So, you know, it's done at the state level. So here in Pennsylvania, it's the Pennsylvania DEP that gives out permits. So he's like, clearly he was talking to a national audience, and he wasn't talking to the more sophisticated people in the room. So I, I really got the sense from a lot of people. I mean, certainly there are Trump supporters there and he got a standing ovation at the end of his speech, but nobody privately talking to me said they were sure what they were going to do or whether they wanted to vote for him. Um, a couple of people on the way out kind of sneered at it and said it was entertaining. But I was just very interested to hear that from that crowd.
0: Why did uh, any reasoning for why uh, the Clinton campaign turned down uh, the invitation?
3: I don't know. Mm.
0: Just curious, because uh, as you said, it is a bipartisan issue and it is something that, uh, um, you know, Hillary Clinton as president will have to uh, will have to address.
3: Well, frankly, the big difference between Trump and Clinton and when it comes to energy is he has said he he's called climate change a Chinese hoax. And he, you know, has promised to undo the Obama administration's major initiatives, including the Clean Power Plan. And he wants to get the the United States out of the Paris Climate Agreement. Whereas Clinton has said she wants to make the United States a clean energy superpower. She wants half a billion solar panels installed by the end of her first term. So the two of them are pretty much polar opposites on energy and climate change.
0: Mm. Uh, Marie Cusick is uh, WITF State Impact Pennsylvania reporter. Marie, thank you very much for your insight. You're welcome. State Impact uh, Pennsylvania is a collaborative effort between uh, WHYY in Philadelphia and WITF reporting on Pennsylvania's energy economy. Um, Well, the debate is tonight, and uh, we'll see if energy is uh, part of uh, the discussion, and uh, we hope to have uh, an analysis of the debate of what uh, uh, what you think uh, and also what some analysts uh, did here or do here tonight uh, with Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump so uh, that's part of uh, tomorrow's program but uh, we also going to talk about something that um, well they're pretty emotional for a lot of people raw milk talk about that uh, tomorrow as well